1: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
2: Lovely Rita, come between us. When it gets dark, I your heart away. Well, New York City Mayor Eric Adams says... It's an emergency. He has 17,000 migrants that have come in recent weeks. So much for Sanctuary City. He's been saying, oh, yeah, we'll take everybody in. No problems. So tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to talk about hypocrisy. And we're going to talk about welcome to the party, Mayor Adams, because can you imagine what New York and Arizona, what they're dealing with every single day, dealing with the influx of migrants crossing into their states, what New York has experienced, again, with a population of 9 million or so, guess what? That's nothing compared to what El Paso, to what, uh, you know, the Rio Grande area in general is getting all the time in terms of the amount of proportion with the population. El Paso is so bad right now, by the way, it is so flooded right now that there are people literally sleeping out on the streets. The homeless shelters are packed. They can't handle it. It's overwhelming for them. People are just overrun. They can't get food. They can't get locations. They can't get uh, clothing. The people in El Paso, and by the way, it's a democratic mayor. He's trying to do what he can, but he can't handle it. So guess what he's doing? He is shipping up a lot of the migrants to New York. And in fact, there are some recent numbers that basically showed that of the 17,000 that have come to New York, half of them have been coming basically from El Paso. And a lot of them have also come on some of these secret flights. But a lot of them have come from this Democratic mayor in El Paso. And don't you think maybe Biden's open border policy also contributes to it as well? I mean, this is just crazy. And yet I'm happy to see that Mayor Eric Adams is at least voicing a concern, voicing the red flag, the alarm bells that we're all kind of seeing. If you look at any shot across the border on any single day. It's clearly a crisis. It's clearly a state of emergency. I wish actually every mayor across America would say it's an emergency, but you can't say it's an emergency and then just blame governor Abbott of Texas because he bust up some of them up to New York, or you can't blame governor DeSantis from Florida because he sent some up to New York and also to Martha's vineyard. You know, you can't just say that you can't go, oh, it's an emergency and not point the finger at the biggest culprit, which is the Biden administration. I mean, it is clearly an open border. It is a leaky sieve. If you interview any of these guys who are at the border, they're like, yeah, President Biden said I can come on in. I get a free phone. I get this. I get that. You know, no problem. And and yet they're not blaming the Biden administration. They're blaming basically, oh, God, how terrible is Governor Abbott? How terrible is Governor DeSantis? And again, I am thrilled that finally somebody is sounding the alarm bells. And it's a Democratic mayor of, I think, the biggest city and the most important city in America. I mean, they're all important, but this is an important one, clearly, New York City. And I think it's great. And I'm glad he's voicing anger and frustration But what about doing a little bit of finger pointing at the Biden administration? That would really be interesting. Let's see if he's really going to go for the root of this issue. Is he just going to say, oh, yeah, it's a big problem. And how dare Abbott and how dare Governor DeSantis? Or is he going to really have the cojones where he's going to say, you know what? Obviously, the problem is also an open border, even though I would start with the open border. And then I would point out a few of these other things. But I would first start with the open border and the fact that the policy of this administration has been abysmal. And I think the federal government, i.e. the Biden administration, should be covering some of whether it's New York or some of these others. And the reason I say it, but, you know, go and send them the bill every month and then everybody would go see Biden administration. Clearly, it's your fault. I'm not saying I think they should close the border. I think they should have a border wall. But. Point the finger squarely and the responsibility squarely at the federal government, as opposed to giving Biden a free pass with all of this. That is the most ludicrous moment. So, again, a whole bunch of grandstanding, a whole bunch of words. And again, from sanctuary city mayors. These are the people who are like sounding the big alarm bells. And, you know, it's how funny it's only been a few weeks. And already it's a state of emergency in New York. I mean, that's the funniest thing. It's been three weeks. You know, we've got close to single double digits, I should say, almost population in New York City. And yet he's going, oh, this is a crisis. I mean, that's the irony of it all. This has been going on for two years under the Biden administration, essentially. Right. Two years almost. And now suddenly a few of them come within a few weeks to New York City and it's an emergency. Don't you think every single mayor across this country should say it's an emergency and Biden administration's to blame? I mean, it is time to get tough. This is just so crazy and so ludicrous. And yeah, it is an emergency, but it's an emergency across this country. And the Biden administration needs to wake up because they have yet to even address the border. In fact, what's so insulting is is Vice President Kamala Harris goes to Texas for, guess what, a fundraiser. Does she go to the border? No. She's only been to the border once, and it was like a a stopover. It was like, you know, basically to pick up coffee, if you will, in McCallum, Texas, you know, for a very, very brief stopover. And But yet, this time, she doesn't even go to the border. She doesn't even care about going to the border. It is so crazy, and the president won't go to the border and won't address the border. He's only mentioned the word fentanyl. Basically, I think it was like once or twice in a speech. And then it was like nothing related to the border. Like somehow fentanyl just magically appeared. And it was on, you know, a a day where they were addressing opioid overdoses in general. So he had to mention it. It was so obvious. But he didn't even mention the border of where it's coming from. I mean, they want to act like the border doesn't exist. They want to act like crime doesn't exist. Because they know that the American public is so disgusted and we see the pictures with our own eyes. And the fact that now after 17,000 out of a population of 9 million in New York City, that's an emergency. Welcome to what Texas and Arizona deals with every day. Mayor Adams, welcome to what their life is every single day. You just got a small taste of it. So I hope that maybe this can, maybe this will be some sort of a wake-up call. But unless he calls out the Biden administration, it is all a bunch of words. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think, do you think, Mayor Adams, by him sounding the alarm that it is some sort of an emergency, a state of emergency, to get more funds to help, will that somehow help this? Or is that all just a big old smokescreen to say, oh, how dare you, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis? And again, so far, doesn't seem to have any blame on the Biden administration. Because guess what? Because he's a Democrat. How sad is that? You can call the alarm, but you can't call the creator of the fire. 1-800-848-9222, one 848 9222 Meantime, here is Mayor Adams, just a little bit ago, making his declaration. Take a listen. Today, I am declaring
3: a state of emergency in the city of New York and issuing an executive order. This executive order will formally direct all relevant agencies to coordinate
2: their efforts to construct the humanitarian relief centers. So what about the 10 cities? Remember, there's one that's being built on Randall's Island. I always said it's going to need a lot more than one old tent. You've already got 17,000 of them. You know it's going to be like tent cities. You're going to need a few islands. You're going to need more than Randall's Island, even though you can fit quite a lot of them there. But, I think this is just the beginning. And I say bravo to DeSantis and Abbott because they have raised the alarm bell. They've got it to the point where a Democratic mayor of the biggest city in America is saying it's an emergency. I mean, to me, every mayor needs to sound the alarm. And I say they've accomplished their goal because they've certainly gotten his attention. And yet, listen to this. Mayor Adams says he's upset. But listen to who he's upset with. New Yorkers are angry. I am angry, too. We have not
3: asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing
2: up. So did he in that speech? And I don't believe he did. I'm being facetious because he didn't. Did he call out the Democratic mayor of El Paso for shipping half of them up to New York City? Did he call out the Biden administration for shipping in these secret flights in the middle of the night that were coming into Westchester that have been recently just in the last week coming to Montgomery, New York, Orange County Airport? Give me a break. I mean, that is so crazy. It is so one sided and so Hypocritical, And Lee Zeldin, who is running, of course, for governor of New York against Kathy Hochul, pointed out the irony of all of this and the fact that Adams said nothing when many of them were coming in in flights, literally to airports all around. You know, there were some that were coming into LaGuardia, JFK, Newark, also Westchester. Remember, we all saw the videotape. Didn't say peep. And yet when a single like bus came, I think it was two came the first time from Abbott. Oh, it's terrible. But the ones from El Paso, he didn't call out the El Paso Democratic mayor. Take a listen to Lee Zeldin basically calling out the hypocrites.
4: We have had people getting flown into New York airports a lot longer than these buses have been arriving. They were first coming into Westchester Airport, then they were going to Stewart via the Joe Biden Travel Agency, where they're flying you to these destinations. They'll give you a phone on top of it. What we should be doing is calling on President Biden and the Biden administration to secure our southern border, end catch and release, enforce the Remain in Mexico policy, support our Customs and Border Patrol agents, uh, and to stop incentivizing and rewarding
2: illegal entry. Absolutely. It is so hypocritical. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Phil. Uh, line one, Phil, your thoughts about all this.
5: Hi, Rita. Good evening. By the way, before I proceed, I want to pass my condolences to that uh, that Bernie McGurk family and his co-workers uh, on the loss of Mr. McGurk.
2: Thank you very much. As you know, Bernie passed away this week, and uh, we love him, and we miss him. And uh, it's just been heartbreaking for all of us, you know, to it, – it, we all hoped that he would pull through this, and sadly, uh, you know, we, we've lost him. Thank you, though. We miss him terribly. Thank you.
5: All right. Now, my, my main thing here is, look, you had people coming to airports for the last eight or nine months, in the airports, Westchester and so on. Now, what they did is they unloaded, my estimation for the people that I've got with me, we, there's about 4,500 new people in the Bronx. They're all over the grand concourse. They're all over uh, the major arteries. They're all standing there with boxes and vegetables trying to make a buck. They have no money on them. They don't speak English. This is, this is, this whole thing, this whole thing, is is completely unacceptable because where do they go at night there's no shelters up here that are taking them where do they go i'm going to tell you where they go we follow them we follow these people they go to churches there's about 14 churches in the bronx that let them sleep in the pews they let them sleep actually sleep in the pews at night they get them out about 5:30, 6 o'clock in the morning toss them out we've got videos of this too and this is just unacceptable yeah, but when De Blasio gave his wife a billion dollars to end homelessness in New York, hey, where's the money? Nobody knows. But you don't hear Adams talking about that.
2: You know what? That's a great point. The whole uh, Thrive NYC stuff. There's still so many questions about that. Now, let, before I let you go, Phil, you filmed it. Did you follow them, or or? And what have you done with the videotape? You need to give that to somebody. That's interesting.
5: Well, you know what? You know what's going to happen if we if we hand that over to someone. They'll say it was all staged or that the Republicans paid us to do it. We have, we have short segments because they've got some kind—I of, don't know how to explain it. I wouldn't call them security guards, but they got these guys in these weird jumpsuits that walk around the outside. If you go near the church, they, they block you. They physically block—they're not armed, but they physically block you, and, and you can't get into the church. You can't even go near the, near the, near the entrance to the church. We managed to sideswipe side swipe them. We hopped the fence. Okay, not me personally, but two guys hopped the fence, and they had a window, and they took footage. And you've got the church is teeming, teeming with hundreds of people laying on the benches, the pews, on the floor. This is this is the whole Catholic charity racket. They're, they're, they're stealing charitable contributions from New York City people. They're not giving it to the elderly homeless or the disabled homeless. They're giving it to these people. It's It's pathetic. Wow. That
2: is really interesting stuff. You got to hand over that videotape somewhere because that's really interesting just to be able to follow them. And I wonder, like, who are the guards? And obviously churches can do what they want, but you bring up an interesting point. Is it money that was supposed to be allocated for something else that's being allocated to that? And who's paying for the security? Who's paying to feed them? Um, You know, it's questionable. Is it an individual? Is it above board? Or is it somebody who uh, it's supposed to be funds that went elsewhere and uh, somehow got shifted to a location that people aren't aware of? That's really interesting. Phil, you got to share that video because uh, that could be uh, really interesting stuff. Thank you very much, Phil. Great call. Really interesting. We're going to finish uh, uh, with Phil now, but we're going to take your calls after the break. Everybody, one 800 one 800 You just heard from Phil. Wow. He caught them in action.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS?
2: I was thinking of my high school and college days, a little REO speed wagon. You can never. I think we need to put it up. It's a Friday night. Come on. I think this is roll with the changes, which I don't think Eric Adams is doing by declaring a state of emergency. He's saying, uh, 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 this is crisis. And Adams is at least sounding the alarm. I'll give him credit for that. But he's not putting the finger at the Biden administration. It's like, how dare Abbott? How dare DeSantis? Oh, but that old leaky sieve open border where two million have come through. That's not a problem. What a hypocrite. one 800 let us go to BJ. Go ahead, BJ. Your thoughts. Oops, I lost you, BJ, but let's go to Francis. BJ, call us back. Francis, go ahead, Francis. I'm a disabled 80 year old homeowner. I am getting
6: summonses from the sanitation after a rainstorm. They come at 8.30 in the morning. They are so desperate for money that on Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, when you can't or you're not supposed to go out, I had to clean the street the night before.
2: Hey, do me a favor, Francis. Do me a favor. Your line is really bad. Call us back. I will definitely take the call, but it sounds really uh, crackly, crackly. Let's go to David. Uh, In L.A. in the meantime, go ahead, David. Sorry about that. Line three. Go ahead.
5: Eric Adams declaring state of emergency. He's being a terrible Democrat. I guarantee the White House has already contacted him to say, shut your mouth. What are you doing? Don't call attention to it. You're supposed to say we embrace these decent people who are here with their families to work and feed their kids. Here in L.A., you can't even walk down the sidewalk because tent and up and down everywhere. You literally have to walk in the street. I guarantee you he's getting in big trouble for, for, for opening his mouth like this. All it's going to do is put pressure on Biden to close the borders, but they're not going to do that. This is hilarious, Rita, but so
2: you really said it all at the beginning of your monologue as well. You know, it that's an interesting point, David, because you're right. It is. And that's why I say I agree with you that him drawing attention is not what the administration wants, and it may cause other cities to follow suit. We'll continue with your calls after the break.
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue.
2: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great officers and also their families, a story from Manhattan, not Manhattan, New York, but Manhattan, Illinois. Manhattan, Illinois, Mayor Mike Andreessen recognized three police officers, Officer Rob Bernardi, Alex Rasky, and Jim Red, like they were recognized By the Board of Trustees meeting for their help in saving a woman's life, each received a letter of commendation. Now, Officer Redlick responded to the call of a suspicious vehicle last month, shortly after midnight, where he found it in the middle of the road with lights on and an engine running. He also saw the woman lose consciousness, and he quickly called for additional officers and an ambulance. The other two officers arrived on the scene and, based on their experience, suspected that the woman had overdosed. The trio worked together to administer several doses of Narcan, but the woman remained unresponsive. So the officers removed her from the vehicle, placed her on the ground, and administered two more doses of the drug, before she finally began to regain consciousness. The woman was taken to the hospital, where staff there said that the officer's quick actions undoubtedly saved the patient's life. Now, the woman is believed to have had a bad interaction to medicines that were prescribed to her by her doctor and is not believed to have overdosed on an illegal substance. When uh, the officers received this commendation, uh, the head of the police department said the compassion Dedication and professionalism displayed by these three officers brings credit to themselves and to the village of Manhattan. Wonderful to see they saved this woman's life. And it's just a great example of the incredible work our law enforcement does every single day. And that's why here on the show, we always love backing the blue. Well, we are talking, of course, about Mayor Eric Adams He used the E word, the emergency word. It's a state of emergency, he says, with this influx of migrants that have come to New York City. By the way, since spring, 17,400 migrants have entered the city at an estimated price tag, it's believed, of about a billion dollars. And even uh, with a city that basically has the budget of Switzerland, uh, it's still a pretty overwhelming task. And now he is saying... We need help from the federal government. We need help from the state. Take a listen to part of his plea just a few hours ago. Today, we're issuing a clear
3: message. The time for aid to New York is now. We need help
2: from the federal government. Help from the state of New York. We need help everywhere. And, yeah, I'm sure New York City does need help. But the bottom line is so does uh, every single city in Texas, every little town in Texas, every little city and town in Arizona. What about Florida? Basically, every state has become a border state. And so maybe the rest of it would be amazing. I think it needs to be a countrywide state of emergency. Let's see what Biden does. Well, meantime, of course, Eric Adams has said zero about these secret flights that have been coming in. And one of the ones that came in recently was to Montgomery, New York. And there were two of them apparently that came in in the middle of the day. There was nothing on the registrar. Turned out it was like mostly unaccompanied women, young girls, going to sponsors, which, boy, you got to wonder who's sponsoring a bunch of young girls who don't speak any English and are coming from Guatemala or wherever else they're coming from. Hopefully, they are safe. Uh, but I spoke about this at length in a new podcast that we just posted a few hours ago. It is called Protecting America, and it's our weekly podcast where we interview very different, interesting people about current events. The latest one is is former Westchester County executive and also former GOP gubernatorial candidate in New York, Rob Astorino. Rob, of course, was the guy who blew the lid on the flights that came into Westchester, New York. Remember those secret flights in the middle of the night? And finally, he got the videotape for the whole world to see of those flights. So I asked Rob about those flights and also these new ones that went into Montgomery, New York. And here's a little bit of our conversation. It is a blockbuster podcast. you got to check it out. Uh, here's just a little sample of our discussion. Let's talk about these flights that came into Montgomery, New York, Orange County, New York, just recently, Three of them in one week. You saw the footage of it. What went through your mind, first off, just about these flights and the fact it looks like it's a lot of unaccompanied minors, even unaccompanied women who supposedly have, quote, sponsors? There's a lot of questions.
7: Basically, this has been going on in one form or another since April of 21. So it's basically a year and a half. They started at Westchester County Airport very frequently, the large planes coming in sometimes during the day, a lot of times overnight. And that video became pretty famous because of the police camera video that got out. And the workers were saying that the reason the federal government was doing this under the cover of darkness is because it's a total betrayal of the American people, and they don't want the media or the public to know what's happening. And, of course, that was blown up, and they kept doing it. It was just like you know, a finger in your eye. They don't care. But then they expanded the planes to Stewart International Airport, which directly implicates, Rita, the governor, Governor Hochul, because that is a New York Port Authority-run airport. So they were coming in basically under the direction and okay of the governor. And now they shift to another airport, a smaller airport in Orange County. But no matter where these planes are coming into, it doesn't matter. They're all coming from the southern border, and they're all being sent by – the federal government in one way or another.
2: And I asked Rob Astorino again in our great podcast, Protecting America. You got to make sure you download it and share it uh, wherever you download your podcast. Check it out. Um, it is a blockbuster one. I asked him about the Ten City, too. Remember what's happening with the Ten City? And he said, you know, uh, he's all for helping whoever you can. But he said, there's a lot of questions about how many illegally, especially, are crossing the border. And the fact that resources, he believes firmly, are being taken away from U.S. citizens to help those who are crossing illegally. And he said, that ain't fair. Take a listen. Do you believe that these tents, it's going to be one, two, three tent? Do you think it's going to end up being 30, maybe 300 at the end of the day? Well, God knows
7: what they'll do because they're running out of space in shelters for our own citizens who need temporary housing. And yet they're taking the space of our own citizens. So we've got a homeless problem, obviously, on the streets not being dealt with, a mental health issue on our streets and crime not being dealt with. We've got illegal immigration flooding across the border and now coming into all of our communities not being dealt with. And meanwhile, our own citizens are scraping coins to try to go to the supermarket you know, to afford the basics. So I think this is going to come to a head on November 8th. I certainly hope it does, because if we're willing to put up with this, then shame on us. And so hopefully on Election Day, you know, Republicans get in across the country, put a stop this nonsense, and we get some balance again because it is so out of control right now. And you, me, and just normal people have to bear the brunt of this, especially the middle class.
2: And everybody, check out our latest podcast, Protecting America, the new episode with Rob Astorino talking about so many layers of the migrant crisis and the border crisis. You definitely want to download it and share it with everybody that you know. It is so informative, and we just put it up a couple hours ago. I also just put it up on – you'll check it out on the 77 WABC Twitter. It's there on my Twitter as well. Make sure that you check it out. Again, Protecting America. The latest episode with Rob Astorino. What are your thoughts, everybody, in terms of Eric Adams now in the last few hours declaring it a state of emergency, sounding the alarm, saying we need the feds to help. We need the state to help. I'm sure Biden isn't happy. I'm sure Kathy Hochul is not happy. I suggest other mayors across the country follow suit. But what about also pointing the finger at them, not just getting funds? Let's point the finger. One certain finger, maybe 1-800-848-9222, one 848 uh, Let's go to Dom, uh, line one. Dom, your thoughts?
8: Yeah, Rita, you know, the next busload of migrants that Donna Abbott sends to New York should have a limerick attached to the side of the bus. It says, Baba Black Sheep, have you any kids? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three buses full. One for the mayor and one for the governor and one for the little boy who lives in the White House.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take you to come up with that one, Dom? Yeah, no, I was just thinking about it.
8: I'll tell you what, this guy's acting like a little kid, you know. And uh, Mayor Adams just figured out that migrants are a crisis that requires emergency help from the federal government while the rest of the country is drowning in a sea of humanity. You know, I guess it took a Greg Abbott to school him on the beautiful art of political persuasion. And
2: that's why Uh, that's why I say, Dom, I actually think, um, yeah, of course, there were politics involved by sending them to New York and to D.C. and to Martha's Vineyard. But I think it was brilliant politics. You know, I mean, tell me that Adams is not playing politics by not calling out Biden. You know, I mean, that's 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 worse politics than anything else, because that's the root of the issue. Absolutely.
8: Because, you know, and I thought of Baba, you know, why Why I was thinking about it, because Biden is trying to imitate Trump's MAGA with his own Baba, which is B-A-B-A, build a better America. That's why I'm thinking about, oh, Baba Black Sheep. There we go.
2: <laughs> Absol- By the way, Dom, you always entertain it and we love it. Have a great Friday, my friend. Wonderful to talk with you. Let's go to BJ. BJ, your thoughts about the hypocrisy here?
8: Well, well, well. The swagger man with no plan is uh, really has, a, has an optics problem. You know, two months ago he was telling everybody, "Hey, we got this. Don't worry. We're New Yorkers. This is what we do." Now he's got the white flag up, saying, "I need help. State of emergency. Send money. This, that, and the other." They're coming at the rate of what what eighty five hundred a month. So by the end of this time next year, we'll have another hundred thousand. And he can't turn around and ask his donor base for this because they don't want him. They don't want him out at the Hamptons. They don't want him up in Westchester. The Orchid Beach people don't want him. And where do they wind up? They wind up in the poorest neighborhoods, indigent. Uh, a lot of them have drug problems, alcohol problems. Uh, I see a lot of them in my neighborhood in queens they're sleeping all over the place i mean it's just uh, maybe they're not the migrants that are coming so i don't know uh you know he was a big tough guy law and order guy you know and uh he could handle this um it doesn't look like it's going over too well and you know you got a you got a a democrat governor you have a democrat president and everybody should get along can't we all get along and, and the money can come but no, doesn't look like this is happening.
2: No, and you know what's going to be interesting, BJ? And I always look at timing of everything. It's fascinating that he makes this declaration. It's not like anything happened today to precipitate it. It's been going on for weeks now. We know it. So surprise, surprise. It's like if you always have sort of news that you kind of want to bury, you put it out on a Friday. So that's what he did. He put it out on a Friday. He puts it out like Friday afternoon Here's what he's doing, right, making this, you know, uh, announcement. Um, we got uh Biden in the White House who's talking about Armageddon. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. But it can't be such Armageddon because he's off for the weekend. You know, he's traveling for the weekend, right? Um And then Kathy Hochul is busy on the campaign trail. And so they're hoping that things will kind of fade and pass or whatever. And you can bet if they ask Biden or they ask Governor Hochul about, hey, what do you think about this? The response will be, well, you know, Governor Abbott and DeSantis, blah, blah, blah. You know, I hope that reporters have enough, like, you know, you know, ethics, I guess I should say, to follow up with the question, don't you think it's your policies that have created this? I mean, and also let's see if Mayor Adams, as opposed to saying, well, everybody, you know, has to do more. You know, he gave this line earlier in the week that, you know, the right is wrong, the far right is wrong, and the left is silent. You know, that was sort of his answer. What about saying the White House is wrong? You know, let's see if he, if he, as opposed to just trying to, like, lay the blame kind of everywhere, but especially on Abbott and DeSantis. Let's see, because he knows the right answer. But let's see if he does it correctly, as opposed to, like, bowed out to uh, the political whims. Uh, what do you think, BJ? What do you think we'll, we'll get from him?
8: Well, uh he's but he, he's he's begging for money. So he's like the kid that needs, you know, he doesn't have enough allowance to take the girl to the dance. So he's going to after after he price. says
2: he can buy her anything, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, gonna, that's a great analogy because it's like, yeah. oh, honey, I'll buy you flowers. I'll buy you this. I'll do that chocolate, whatever you want. And then she says yes. And you go, oh, shoot, where am I going to pay for that? <laughs> Who am I going to borrow it from?
8: He's got to mow a lot of lawns to get the money but here's the problem you know uh you have a situation where all of these folks now that uh have no place to go that are broke that had problems when they left their their current countries of origin they're winding up in the poorest neighborhoods these these neighborhoods are the base of Eric Adams support Brownsville all of these places they're, they're gonna wind up in these poor broken neighbor, neighborhoods and he promised the people that showed up to vote for him a better New york a New York that was gonna be uh calmer that was gonna be more stable from the riots of twenty twenty We're gonna have no more of this uh, uh black lives matter jazz and any of this stuff and and then he turned around and he's he's showing up with all of these immigrants to- you know that people have to trip over them to get to work and stuff. Uh, And they're going to wind up in the school. So he, you know, I don't know. Uh, He's really, you know, I I think he's going to keep begging for money, but he's definitely going to try and weaponize this and blame the Republicans. This is Abbott. And by the way, Abbott's not stopping. He's opened up the spigot key. They're getting plenty more. He's got plenty more to share.
2: Yeah, I say I say he get it to the point where an emergency is declared in every single city across this country. I mean, you know, you don't want it. You, You want it to be contained at the border. But clearly nothing's working with this administration. I mean, nothing is. So maybe the pressure from some Democratic mayors uh, with swagger might help. Hopefully, help. Let's see. We're gonna continue with your calls, everybody. After the break, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And also, you know, I always love hearing from all of you, whether it's BJ or Dom or Phil. All of you guys, I love hearing from all of you and gals too, of course. Um, and we always play our highlights uh at on Friday night. I love this. It's one of our favorite segments. We do it every Friday night. It is called Rita's Ringers, and we're gonna do that. After the break, see if you made our Rita's ringers of the week.
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: It's a little karma chameleon. I think this could be a tribute to Eric Adams, maybe. That's what this is all about. Here we go. Since it's Friday, we love to play a little music. Here we go. It's coming up. I haven't heard. This is a little culture club. Here we go. a state of emergency with all the migrants but he's not blaming biden boy that is a chameleon of sorts by the way coming up in the next hour we are going to talk about the fact that there has been a massive influx in crime including an illegal immigrant who is now attributed with a horrible death that happened in las vegas it turns out it was a guy who was on the run wanted for crimes and also crime escalating across this country. And in the midst of all this, guess what? Corey Bush Ms. Defund the police herself. She'd look at the numbers. You would think she'd go, no, no, no. Maybe I was wrong about saying defund the police. Mm-mm. She doubled down. Take a listen. She was in a conversation with Don Lemon on CNN, and she stands by her. We don't need police. Don't worry about the crime. Take a listen to this. If you could do it again, would you still double down or use that
1: slogan, defund
4: the police? Absolutely. You would.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I I mean, that is insane. Has someone, like, checked her psychiatric record? I'm telling you, with the numbers that we've seen, skyrocketing violent crime, yeah, let's get rid of the police. That's really going to solve things. Well, all of you often talk about the police when you call in. You talk about a whole bunch of topics because we talk about everything here on the Rita Cosby Show. And one of my favorite, I always love this segment because I love hearing from you. That is the favorite part of my show uh, for me, being able to hear from all of you. So we have our highlights of the week. We call it Rita's Ringers. And here is this week's edition.
5: I miss your
9: shows. I'm hurt.
2: When I don't hear from you, I'm hurting too, Phil. Rita, always a pleasure, and
9: every time I talk to you, I just feel good. If you were a betting girl,
2: which you may be. And I bet every day I put you on the show.
1: This is Rita's
2: Ringers.
10: I'm sorry, Rita, but I'm a little emotional about this. Uh, You did so much good to support the police, and it breaks my heart that they have to deal with with having their hands tied and all the stuff is going on. And the homeless, the mentally ill, and the criminals walking the streets. And yet the police still, nobody's, you know, so few people are supporting them. I'm retired now. I'm 80 years old, and I just retired. And I try, like, to a local precinct, one, the 122. Every couple of months, I send them like 40 heroes. And I think that you do so much. You give 200% to support the police. And I also think that it's us, the average person that may not even have somebody on the police force or know somebody in their local precinct. Just go there, bring them something. It's something personal. I know that we can always donate money of this. I always wanted to do something that was personal, you know, And, and we need to show them that those of us in the community, we support them 100%. We have to let them know that we care about them.
5: I'm doing great. I love your voice. Number one, I
7: love your background, Polish and, and everything. It's, it's 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 so am I.
2: Thank so. you. Uh, no wonder I love you, Jerry. No wonder. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, my last name was Novak. Hey, I, my dad uh, was Kozabutski. <laughs> hey, Kozabutski. That's what the full
7: name was. Yep, okay. yep,
2: yep. Yeah. I have always been Cosby, but my dad was Kazabutsky.
7: Well, we've been listening to you, today. Me and my partner, Rick, have been listening to you for the last year, and we adore every show that you, you've had.
1: Rita's
2: Reuners. <laughs> And everybody, keep those calls coming. See if you make it to our Rita's Ringers, which we play every Friday night. Coming up, we're going to continue with your calls about Mayor Eric Adams declaring the state of emergency. And also, guess what? The suspect in the murder of that EMT worker, well, he says he's not guilty. What?
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: Well, some new statistics came out from the FBI, and it basically said what we all know, that murders are up across this country. Murders are up at least 4%. Now, I say at least 4% because you want to hear the irony of it all, of the numbers that were submitted. Somehow, they didn't get the numbers from the NYPD or the Chicago PD. Or the LAPD. So call me crazy, but I think if those numbers came in, that uh, 4% would go a little higher. So even diminishing the fact that they didn't get numbers from the three probably most crime-ridden cities in this country, they still have murders up by 4.3%. By the way, the year before with COVID and everything else, crime was up, murder was up 29%. Isn't that amazing? So it continued again uh, from 21 to 22, at least same time of the year, 4.3%. But that doesn't include the cities with the biggest amount of crime. And crime is an enormous issue. I mean, you hear about it left and right. You look at it, all the polls. And in basically every single poll, you would see either number one or two is crime or inflation and often kind of go hand in hand. Uh, because people are desperate, uh, but people also feel that they have a license to steal. And that is because of no cash bail and so many problems and so much happening with our liberal policies from DAs and other people. And former NYPD commissioner Howard Safer says, you know what? Um, people really need to be careful because the numbers Paint a very ugly picture, and it's very dangerous on the streets of many major cities in this country.
5: When they see what happened just in uh, upstate New York recently, where a uh, individual went to his son's graduation right. or an event, house, and two guys in a Marriott hotel of all places started shooting at sh- each other and killed them. You know, it, there is reason to be afraid, and there is reason that major companies are looking to move out of these cities so that their workers will come back.
2: And in the midst of all this, of course, we've seen some just horrifying crimes of late. And it's just been heartbreaking to look at some of these things, Uh particularly today. There was a hearing for uh, the suspects in the case, those two guys who opened fire, remember, at the father who was visiting his son at Marist College on family weekend in the hotel lobby. Uh Those two guys were officially indicted. And the rap sheet of both of them is like a mile long. Uh, the guy who's believed to be the main trigger man, according to a number of different reports. Well, he was wanted in two different states Um and also wanted, by the way, believed to be a suspect in another murder in Poughkeepsie. So it's like, what was he doing hanging out in the hotel room, kind of going in and out? You know, no big deal. Basically, New York justice uh at work. And then the other case, of course, that so many of us have been talking about is this case. Of EMT, Lieutenant Allison Russo. Um, her funeral was this week and boy was it emotional just to hear from her father and hear from everybody else about what she went through. Of course, there she was working middle of the day, walking down the street, broad daylight. This crazy loony kazoony guy who everybody says was just walking around like a zombie comes up and stabs her. And guess what? This week he has his hearing, right? And what does he plead? It's all on video. You see the whole thing. And, in fact, the father talked about how he saw the videotape. Can you imagine how gut-wrenching that must have been for the father to have to watch that videotape of his daughter being stabbed to death? He talked about it during the funeral, just how, like, unbelievable emotions and just feelings and anger, needless to say, that he felt. And here is this heroic, amazing woman who gave her life to service, and was just walking down the street to grab lunch. And this crazy guy, again, who everybody in the neighborhood said was really kooky and crazy and didn't say anything, just kind of walked around like a zombie, uh, comes over and stabs her, right? But what does he do right after he stabs her? He barricades himself up in his apartment. He hides, tries to hide items in his apartment, does all these things, hides out. So what does he do this week? He has a hearing. He's in a psych ward because, you know, he's going to try to declare he's mentally insane. I contend he's not insane. And I'll tell you why in a moment. And what does he do? He says he's not guilty. He's not guilty. What? Uh, It's someone who looks just like him. It's someone who had a gun that was found in his possession. It's someone seen running back to his apartment, barricading himself. But it's not him. I, I mean, I am so fed up with these people who are trying to say, oh, it's not me, not guilty. I don't know what you're talking about. This, he's saying it from his psych ward. So you know where it's going. He's going to say he is mentally insane. And that's what his attorney is going to try to say that we will pay for, I'm sure, because it's going to be, he's in a uh, so-called homeless, even though he has some apartment. Um, but he's apparently some guy who just wanders indigent, kind of wandering around. So we're paying for this attorney who's going to now spend years claiming that this guy has psychiatric issues. Yeah, obviously, he's got problems. Anybody who wants to kill somebody like that clearly has problems. But I contend, and I want to hear from a lot of attorneys out there, because I know a lot of you listen to the show and also law enforcement, too. I don't think he's insane. And I'll tell you why. He reminds me so much of the case of that guy. Remember the guy on the subway in New York who opened fire on all those people? Uh, had some mental issues, too. You know, what a surprise. But then he changed his clothes. Remember, he dressed up in an outfit, changed his clothes, changed, got on another subway, got out, kind of hit his face, did all these things. So right after he opened fire, he had the mindset to know I have to go incognito and even planned it because he had uh, the workers, the construction outfit, remember, on um, that he was there when he did the shooting. So he pre-planned it. So you can't say that that guy snapped. It's not like, oh, suddenly I just happened to be. With all the stuff and all the preparations, you had all the ammo and all that stuff. That's what happened in that Subway case, right? So now here in that case, they are trying to get mental insanity too, which is like an insult to mental insanity. I hate to say that, but that's not why you use mental insanity. So here in this case, this guy, right after he sadly stabs this beautiful woman to death, this hardworking EMT of decades, uh, with the FDNY, Lieutenant Russo, he goes and hides out. Then he hides the weapon. He does all these things that, to me, show conscious nil, consciousness of guilt. So, to me, I am so sick of these people just using that mental insanity as a linchpin to say, oh, I'll get off, I'll figure out how to do this, or some defense attorney saying, you know what, oh, let's try to help this guy. What about helping Alison Russo? What about helping her family? You know what? Uh, You would have helped Alison Russo by making sure this guy was never on the street to begin with. And this is what one of Russo's colleagues, this is one of the heads of the union that represents the EMTs. This is what he said after the hearing when he heard that this guy said, not guilty by reason of insanity, probably where it's headed. Take a listen.
5: Clearly, you see, he killed her. He murdered her knew what he did
1: was wrong and ran away you don't run away when you did something right he ran
2: away because he knew he did something wrong and that was vincent barriel saying yeah he knew what he was doing and i'm glad that he's speaking out afterwards because she deserves justice it is outrageous what happened to her that you can't feel safe walking down the street and you're a civil servant and you're down there trying to help everybody And suddenly somebody comes out of nowhere and stabs you to death. And he's going to somehow get like a free pass saying that he's uh, insane when he knew enough to suddenly run away and hide. And clearly just came upon her and stabbed her over and over and over again. I also want to know more about his background. What else? What other violent things in his background happened? Because clearly there's more to the story than we know. There's some reason that a lot of the facts about this case so far have yet to be told. Uh, clearly, there were other things. Clearly, warning signs, and who didn't report it and why. One 9222 One 9222 And also, Vincent Variali also said that people that are on calls in general, that we need to make sure that those who are out there protecting us have at least somebody with them, a partner, somebody who has their back. And that should apply to any area, whether they're on the subway, whether they're walking the streets, whatever it is, uh, because we have to make sure that we protect our heroes. Take a listen.
5: The difference is we're an EMS lieutenant. We're responding to all those dangerous emergencies by ourselves. No partner, no driver, no aid. Why? Why is that happening? It's not only a safety issue for our members, it's a safety issue for the people of the city.
2: And he said the most important thing is that we do the right thing by Lieutenant Russo Elling. Take a listen.
5: We will continue to be here to show our support and to make see this through to make sure this killer gets what he deserves, which is jail time for life.
2: Yeah, he should get jail time for life. If he is convicted, by the way, he could get uh, 25 years to life in prison. Of course, if he gets off by insanity... He could be sitting in a psych ward, having uh, applesauce and yogurt and all that other stuff. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, by the way, a number of cases also tied to illegal immigrants. There's the case that just happened recently of this case, as we're talking about rising crime in Las Vegas. It was a guy uh, who was from Central America, and he had come into the country illegally, had also crimes that he was wanted for in California. And this guy suddenly started stabbing people in Las Vegas, including a number of showgirls. That happened right outside the Wynn Hotel uh, the other day. And so they look at the background of this guy. He was from California, uh said he was upset because he didn't have any place to go or didn't have anything to do. Turns out he's an illegal immigrant who had committed a crime in this country, was wanted for a crime in California, and they believe multiple crimes in his home country. So this is a perfect reason why you got to vet these people. People are nutty enough that are already here. Why do we want more that are not vetted? My goodness. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank in Maine. Frank, we were talking about... Uh, the fact in the middle of all this earlier that Mayor Eric Adams has declared a state of emergency about the 17,000 migrants that have come to New York. Meanwhile, that's a drop in the bucket, basically, of what crosses the border almost every single day.
11: Rita, always a pleasure to talk to you, and um, my condolences to Vernon McGurk. I remember him when he was with IMIS, so I go way back.
2: Uh, um, Bernie's the best. You Thank know- you for remembering our, our wonderful, beloved colleague. Thank you.
11: Absolutely, you know, you know, Rita, Eric Adams talks out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, wasn't it him as a borough president in Brooklyn and a state senator supporting immigrant immigrant communities and and sanctuary cities and limiting ICE to go into those cities, go to, go to those boroughs and those
2: districts? Oh, absolutely. He said, yeah, this is Sanctuary City time. Thousand percent.
11: This man, this man is not only, not only talks out of both sides of his mouth, he doesn't remember what he says. I think he's starting to get the Biden syndrome, uh, not remembering where you are, not remembering what
10: you're
11: you're talking about, and just spewing stuff to make...
2: Oops, we're losing you, Frank, but I heard what you said, that he's just sort of like you know, talking out of both sides of his mouth. By the way, I don't think anybody's as fumbly-bumbly as Biden. Um I, I'll give Adams that, that he's definitely much more eloquent than that. Uh, but he is clearly uh trying to kind of, like, walk a tightrope because he knows. He knows that it's coming from the border. He knows all those issues. And yet he's not saying that. It's like they're suddenly, like, magically coming from DeSantis. They're magically coming from Abbott. And yet... He will not admit that the problem starts clearly, clearly, clearly at the border. Um, real quick, let's go to Norm real quick in Brooklyn. Norm, your thoughts?
3: Yes, Rita. I don't listen to
8: Eric Adams anymore. He's probably partying tonight anyway, uh, having more fun than I am. Anyway, uh, I'm just looking at a map here of the U.S. in front of me, and we've got to build a security wall from the tip of Brownville, Brownsville, Texas, Thousands of miles west to the coast of San Diego to curtail all this invasion nonsense.
2: Well, and we started, by the way, it started. But right. guess what? Day one. Oh, we don't want that. We don't want remain in Mexico. Right. We but right. but but if you have COVID, come on in. You know, I, That's the hypocrisy of it all, Norm. Yep. High
8: fences. Make good neighbors.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. They make the best neighbors, and ask the people there in Texas and uh, California and elsewhere, just as uh, as you and I uh, have talked about before. Norm, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, on this Friday night. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two.
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking, sadly, about skyrocketing crime across this country. Uh, talking about, of course, the cases that took place in New York. Uh, EMT Lieutenant Russo Elling stabbed in broad daylight. Uh Heartbreaking. And the guy pleading not guilty, claiming, you know what, it sounds like he's teeing up for a uh, insanity defense. Not guilty from a psych ward. Hint, hint, guess where I'm going. And I say, you are not mentally insane. He knew what he was doing. He hid right afterwards, so he certainly had sense of mind right afterwards. And I'm sick of these crazy people. you got to be crazy to commit a crime, but not that crazy technically that he should get off and not spend the rest of his life behind bars. Meantime, also uh, the suspects. In the stabbing death of that father in the hotel lobby, you hear the track record of these guys. It's unbelievable. And another case that made a lot of headlines today is of a 14-year-old gang member in New York, by the way, tied to these scooter shootings that have been taking place. So somebody comes up on a scooter um, and then uh, makes off right away, um, each time with an accomplice. And it turns out... Uh, that the person who's been behind all of these is a 14 year old gang member with 18 bus already under his belt tied to at least three shootings that occurred in just a few days apart in the Bronx in New York. And a lot of people believe uh that part of the reason is because he's a juvenile, that he's being sort of recruited by the gang to do that, knowing that a juvenile is basically going to get off even 18 times. And then there's the case of this heartbreaking other case on the subway. We saw the woman getting pounded. Remember that case. It's amazing. She survived by that guy. Well, now, sadly, some sad news, too. Uh, this one, another one, has died. This is of a man who we saw just randomly being stabbed um, by somebody in the Bronx, literally, like right in front of the subway door. You can see them, like, scuffling and fighting and the video was released all over the place. And now, sadly, uh that victim has succumbed to his injuries. And it just it, it, the crime is all over the place. The numbers are stunning. And yet mayors of these big cities don't want to talk about it. And to me, it is the most important issue. And if you talk to those who are running also for office, they say the same thing. Uh, I want to play. This is Lee Zeldin. Uh, cut number seven. Um, And this is Lee Zeldin, who is running for governor of New York. And he says, this is what's at stake.
4: Yeah, we have to repeal cashless bail. The first thing I'll do the first day I'm in office is tell the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg he's being fired. We need to get rid of the HALT Act. Our correctional officers are being assaulted more since that got implemented. We have to take back our streets. We have to unapologetically back our men and women in blue. This is about all of us as New Yorkers. Forget about Republican versus Democrat. All of us together have to save this state. Kathy Hochul has to go. I believe that poll. We will win this race because we have to.
2: A lot is at stake, and you have to think about it when you go to the voting booth, law and order. Uh, let's go to David, line two. Go ahead, David, your thoughts about this.
3: Hi. Uh, well, first of all, when are we going to bring back that you commit a crime, you're out on bail, you commit another crime, in you go. We have to lock these criminals up. You get one get-out-of-jail-free card. When are we going to bring that back? I mean, I hopefully Zeldin brings that back, but it should be done across America, especially in New York State. What do you think about that, Rita?
2: I think you're too nice, David. I think if you commit a crime, depending on the severity of the crime, you shouldn't get out. I think if it's so serious, there needs to be cases where the person is locked up, depending on the severity. I mean, what's amazing, if you look at some of the track record of some of these people, there are cases where people have been charged with murder and are out on bail. I mean, violent, horrible attacks, they're out on bail. I mean... I don't think those kind of people deserve a bail. What do you think?
3: I don't think they deserve a bail, but if you, if you're, let's say, you rob a store, obviously we should give you, you bail, but if you rob another store, in you go. Yeah, 1,000%. David? Get one I get, but a se- severe crimes, like the one in the subway station in Howard Beach, that person should be no bail.
2: I agree, David, 1,000%. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. I agree with David. He's spot on.
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
2: And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show, where we honor our great military and also their families. A beautiful story. We just had Frank from Maine. Calling in. So of course, we have to have a story from Maine. This is coming from Jonesport, Maine, where Florence Manchester Smith took an oath to serve in the U.S. Coast Guard 79 years ago and has remained connected to the service ever since. Smith is a World War II veteran and a Jonesport, Maine native. Celebrating her 100th birthday with the Coast Guard sector, Northern New England and Station Jonesport members. How beautiful. She received a letter of appreciation and a coin from the Admiral, uh, Linda Fagan, who's the Commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard. And the Commandant said, without the women who came before, this would not be possible. We owe all of them an enormous, enormous debt. And we honor Florence Smith. Uh, Florence Smith is a legend in her local community and someone who also has helped the veterans since she has left the service, helping them also in a number of different ways with fundraisers and a variety of different events. By the way, um, when she left the military, um, she received a convenience discharge along with $54.00. That's what they gave her back then. Um, and she has remained connected to the Coast Guard station in Jonesport ever since. We thank her tremendously for her service and how beautiful celebrating her 100th birthday. Bravo to her and, of course, all of our great veterans. Well, I get so disgusted uh when I see so many of these left-leaning politicians who, despite what is clearly a major spike in violent crime around the country. The numbers show it. We all see it. We all feel it. Well, they still stick to the script. Um, and at least maybe in one hand, I respect them because they're at least honest about it. Joe Biden said, oh, I never said defund the police. And then we have them on videotape saying defund the police. But now we say, no, 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 we should fund the police because guess what? It's an election around the corner in the midterms first party. But Cory Bush she is of course the congresswoman she is unabashed she is holding her line and she was asked about her major defund the police policies amidst all the massive crime and she was asked about it on CNN this week and listen to what she said when she was asked did she and others in the squad just were they over the top with all this rhetoric take a listen
4: Did progressives go too far in hurting democratic chances in the far with
1: in the fall with slogans like defund the police
6: no because the data has not like there is no data that actually shows that um def- saying defund the police cost actual elections, not that that one thing um specifically did it. you know there were other factors there you know if someone lost elections, you know when we look at you know what happened two years ago um there were there were other things at play. Um, campaign the way that they campaigned how they did not use digital technology and, and you know many other
2: things huh so he asked a little more take a listen there's no gray listen to this answer
1: if you could do it again would you still double down or use that slogan defund the absolutely police? you would
2: absolutely right. yeah I- absolutely in this climate skyrocketing crime skyrocketing random violent crime like the cases we've talked about, not just in New York City, all over the country. And this idiot is still pushing for defund the police and maintaining that still in this climate. By the way, she's the same woman who has three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars worth of private security for her. And she was asked about it on Good Morning America and said, oh, yeah, she didn't deny it. Oh, yeah, I do have a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of security for me because I needed to carry the message of defund the police. I deserve to be safe so I can be the messenger for all of you. I don't want her to be my messenger. I don't know about you. She's not my messenger because I don't like her message. And take a listen. Here's a little bit more of where she just threw it right back at the CNN host's face. So defund the police is not the issue, but this is, but
6: this is, but this is my thing with that. People are more upset about defund the police than they are about the fact that black people are still killed disproportionately in this country. And with impunity, they won't fix the problem, fix the problem. And I never have to say defund again.
2: So it's all the police's fault. This woman is crazy. And I can't believe that there are not other people in her party that just go, would you please shut up? I mean, really? You know, you are hurting our chances because the average person just sits there and says, this does not make any sense. Police are not the problem. If you look at the statistics, they're not the problem. You look at what's going on in the streets, they're not the problem. This woman and her rhetoric is inflaming things and creating a problem. one eight hundred eight 848 Let's go to Fred on line eight. Fred, your thoughts about all this? Hello? Hey, Fred, you're on. Go ahead.
5: Uh, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Rita? Uh, nice to hear from you. Nice to talk to you. Uh, I actually went
3: to the, uh, uh, uh what do you call it, Russo's uh, uh, funeral. I was there.
2: I oh, there. you. D- this is the EMT and worker. I,
3: I, I used to work for Nassau County, and I, I
5: deal with EMT guys and the police, so I kind of like a, felt like a relax, you know, connection with them. when I was there after we went to Miller House afterwards. But it was nice to be, uh, at least I showed my respect for them. I said, that's, so I saw it was horrible.
2: How? Um, anyway, uh, by the way, did you see her family? Because my goodness, you see the comments coming from her family. It's, it's so. It's yes. my heart breaks for them, and and obviously for her. You know, my prayers and thoughts so yes. much with them. What a horrible case!
5: It's and and actually one of the fire guys who was actually because uh, I actually helping. Oh, uh, he's helping out too. I'm actually doing trying to get more involved with him. But I actually have, have like the the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The walkers put on the lawn. No, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, the advertisement, you know, the Elden thing. So I had I had a couple in my truck and I he finally to my truck I gave them to him and uh he was telling me show me a video of the you know the stabbing it was horrible. It was horrible.
2: It is absolutely horrible. And that's what just infuriates me, Fred, um, yeah. you know, so much that they're going out there and they're basically saying, you know, that uh and I I heard you with the street signs, that's neat. Um but the um the fact that he's saying, Oh no, not guilty. Like you just said, it's on videotape. You know, I mean, clearly he's trying to game the system and say that he's nuts. That's clearly where they're working towards. Um But you know what? We deserve to give justice to Lieutenant Russo. And this guy, I contend, as you heard what I just said, I don't think he's, I don't think he is nuts. He hid right away. He had impulses that clearly showed uh, sanity at that moment, and that should preclude him from ever being able to declare that. Uh Let's go to Roger, line six. Roger, your thoughts. Hey, how you doing, Rita? Good, Raj. What do you think?
3: First of all, I want to say um, I, I really feel terrible about the, the loss of uh, Bernard McGurk. He's an amazing man.
2: Oh, um, he was the best. Thank you.
3: He was, he was the best. Nobody can beat Bernie, as they say. Absolutely. And, um, he was brilliant and fun. Was, yeah, and yeah, uh, he, was, he was awesome. Uh, I loved it. He used to call uh, Biden imbecile in chief. I, I, that was my favorite. But. I'm calling because um, I grew up, I was born two blocks away and I grew up five blocks away from where now posthumously Captain Allison Russo um, was disgracefully murdered. And I am actually in in touch with uh, Mr. Varialli and and, and a bunch of other people, you know, in the community because this cannot happen again. And um, I don't know if you're aware, you probably are, two weeks before Councilwoman Kaban, led by all-out crazy AOC, they put pamphlets out to the business community in Astoria. Yes. Telling people, if you are confronted by anybody who seems out of control, wielding a knife, a gun, whatever, even a drug addict that's having an overdose, do not call 911 because we don't want the police involved. They have blood on their hands. It's horrible. I'm working with a bunch of people, including Curtis, and I've, I've been on the phone with Greg Kelly many times, actually, in the last several days. It's it's just a disgrace, and um, I really applaud you for bringing up the, the, that really great fact. He he did what he did. I, I, I saw the, the video, and he ran away as soon as there was somebody there to confront him, and there's no way he gets the insanity thing, and um, I really I want to thank you for all the work you've done on that.
2: Oh, okay. thank you. And Raj, and thank you for everything that you are doing to bring attention because the whole thing with Tiffany Caban, that like guide, um, that's out there, which is just so crazy. Um, and, and I know Curtis had brought that up with me too, because I thought it was so interesting that here she is. What is like, uh, was, a, as you brought out, two weeks before um soon before almost immediately for going on to the businesses in the area and saying if you see somebody who's a little off kilter uh go talk to them ask them what high school they went to um you, you shouldn't be talking to these people i mean you know it's like are you kidding me have some engagement with these people that's the last thing you want to do if somebody is such a loony kazuni uh that they could potentially snap the last thing you want to be doing is confronting them and being in their sights and drawing attention to yourself. You just want to like run away fast and call 911. And just as you said, the other thing it said in her book was call 311. And you know, we have a lot of law enforcement guys who call into the show and they brought up a really great point. If you call 311, guess what happens? It could take hours for somebody to potentially show up if they ever do. The reason you have nine one one is it's an emergency, and I think if you have a loony kazuni wandering around making threats and doing things, guess what? That's a nine one one call. There's no gray. Um, so I applaud everything that you are doing and everybody in the community because good people have to band together. Thank you very much, Raj. Uh, let's go to Janet. Janet, line seven. Your thoughts?
6: Oh, thank you for taking my call. Okay, we need some harsh measures to deal with these criminals who are terrorizing our communities. The military's duty is to protect citizens from terrorism. So the military should be canvassing our cities. If we have to go into martial law where we have a curfew, so be it, because most people are off the street around 10 p.m. anyway the criminally insane people some of whom are homeless take that right away they when when authorities approach them they give them a choice do you want to be go into a shelter or not take that right away they don't have a right to be out on the street they ha- they can- they don't have a choice to be on the street take them off the street but when they go into the shelters A shelter uh, should be adequately, have adequate adequate housing, some social services and a a psychiatrist who will give them medication. Because the medication really helps them stabilize and
2: make them go to church. I love the idea. I love what you're talking about with both. And what about the fact that also, um, you know, a lot of these people, I just want to get into the insanity issue because in this particular case, with the EMT person, clearly the defense attorney setting up for some sort of insanity defense. Um, I think that that's a cop-out. It comes way too easy. And I think if somebody hides right away, knows that they did wrong, ran away, did those sort of things, to me, you know, they can't suddenly plead that they're insane, yet they were smart enough right after to know what they did was wrong. Because that's what insanity is, didn't know right from wrong. Uh, they clearly did. And I think too many people cop it too easy, and I think too many defense attorneys try to help these criminals. Go ahead.
6: And my last um, uh, solution is being in a gang about the gangs is make it an illegal act and punishable.
2: Yeah, I love that. By the way, that was one of the things that uh, President Trump was talking about recently, too, Janet. Um, I like you. You're good. Um, Because Trump was saying recently at one of his rallies that, you know, hey, listen, if you're a drug dealer oh, I think I was with our John Katsimatidis on on W.A.B.C., our flagship station. He basically said uh drug dealers, you know, you should basically get the death penalty. You know, like if you're a hardcore drug dealer with a cartel uh, right away, big, serious stuff If you're big amounts, it should be a death penalty. And I think we need to have those kind of things that will dissuade people from committing the crime. It's this easy system that they're gaming the system. And whether it's, you know, somebody who is committing a crime, um, like, the, like the robbery that we just talked about, they need to have some sort of punishment and something to say, God, if you do it again, you will not see the light of day. You know, they need to be a little afraid of the punishment being severe. You go to some of these other countries around the world where the punishment is really tough. Guess what? Crime's low because they know If uh, something happens, they're not going to be have an easy street like they do in America. By the way, before we go, I want to switch topics just because this is really scary stuff. As we're heading into a weekend, Joe Biden's on vacation, but he said, you know what, guess what? This weekend, look out. He even just basically authorized millions of dollars for anti-radiation pills for America. How scary is that? It's really scary stuff because last night he was at a fundraiser, Democratic National Committee, and he comes out in the middle of the discussion and says, we are basically on the verge of a nuclear Armageddon that we haven't really been here at this place since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. This is the highest level we have seen since the Cuban Missile Crisis. By the way, it's Putin's birthday. Ugh. And also, same birthday, ironically, we were just told, as Heimlich Himmler. Isn't that two evil nuts on the same day? Talk about that. Coincidence. Two kooks born on the same day. Obviously, different years, but the same day. Crazy, crazy. What, What happens on this day? You produce crazy? Happy birthday. I know what I'd like to give him for his birthday gift, but... Today is also a really scary time because if you look at some of the rhetoric coming from Biden, a lot of people have now been reacting to the comment that he made at a Democratic fundraiser. Isn't that interesting? Of all places to make the comment, he was asked today at the White House today, do you stand by your comments that you made at this fundraiser? Because it's so alarming, you know, that we're on the verge of potentially a nuclear Armageddon with Russia. Should they decide to maybe use a sort of low level nuke? tactical device in ukraine or elsewhere scary stuff he wouldn't answer he just kind of walked off and he's going for the weekend leaving everybody hanging and people are wondering was that a real comment or was that another biden misspeak and how scary are you feeling that biden is the guy in control at a moment if this is legitimate if we're on the verge of some nuclear armageddon is biden the guy to be handling it all or was this another misspeak? Like, remember this misspeak? This is what he said about early days with Russia and Ukraine. Remember this one?
5: And you're gonna see when you're there. of you've been there. You're gonna see. You're gonna see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of the damn tank, just saying, "I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground." They're incredible.
2: That's what he said to the 82nd Airborne in Poland. Remember, when you get to Ukraine, everyone's like, whoa, what, what, are you sending the 82nd in? That was a misspeak. And then remember, he made this comment that a lot of people think opened the door for Putin to go into Ukraine to begin with. Remember this one? Well, I think what you're going
5: to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion, and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc.,
2: Remember, minor incursion. So that did that open the door. So was he misspeaking when he said we're on the verge of a nuclear Armageddon, potentially, that we are in that threat level, potentially like never before uh, since 1962, since the Cuban missile crisis. And do you have any confidence that Biden could handle what could be tough stuff right now? 1-800-848-9222.
1: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
2: This could be Vladimir Putin's theme song, Hurts So Good, because he's driving all of us crazy. And by the way, this is sung by John Mellencamp. The great John Mellencamp, I hate to even compare him to Putin because I won't. He's a great singer, great talent, and it's his birthday today, too. So there are at least some good guys who have this as their birthday. But what is your reaction to the fact that Biden is basically saying we may be on the verge of a nuclear Armageddon? And do you think this president, who can't even figure out where to sit or stand or talk without a cue card, that he could handle what could be really tough stuff? If he's correct, or is he misspeaking again? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. let us go to Stan on line six. Stan, your thoughts.
9: Uh, I believe exactly what he said. Uh, Putin will use it in a minimal situation. So what? I mean, it's still a n- nuclear bomb. So I think he would use it if he's put up against the wall. Things are going south. And where else is he going to do? His generals will say, let's do it, and he'll do it. Then he'll say, okay, what is the West going to do? And then we'll find out very quickly. We'll have to do something quickly. Would yeah, you're we... right.
2: You're right, because I mean, that's, that's, that's when, when it gets to. sticky. It, right.
9: Absolutely. I agree with So we you know, it's a scary moment. By the way, pills will not help us here in New York. I know. Yeah. Is
2: that, You know what, Stan? I had God, to laugh. That's, that's why rough. I had to say that. I'm thinking. Yeah,
9: absolutely. No, I
5: even what? I Right. No, look, a, a, a Tylenol may help us, but –
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good, or a stiff it. drink. Thank you, Stan. All right, take care. Thanks, Stan. Let's go to Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, your thoughts, line two.
9: Yes, uh, America is definitely uh, in severe trouble, worse probably than in our entire history from since the very beginning. Biden. Remember, you got to remember, Biden was on the Soviet side during the Cold War.
5: So,
2: but let me ask you, Jimmy. Jimmy, let me ask you. Do you believe? Uh, by the way, uh, before I, I forget, Jimmy, I always read my social media, and somebody asked me. Act actually after the show last night, you reminded me. Does Jimmy have a website? Because they said you are a walking encyclopedia. So, is there somewhere that anybody can get information? Remember, it's got to it's somewhere public that that people could look publicly.
9: I I myself right now don't in the past somebody was recording what I do on the radio and putting out on a website but then some people took it down but you can look at Trevor Loudon. Trevor Loudon's a good friend of mine. Trevor Loudon at Epoch Times, he does good videos. All right. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll tell
2: them I'll tell them to go there. No, we just have a little bit left because, by the way, we've got a lot of fans. That's why I'm telling you. I think it's great.
9: Well, I, I'm planning on doing some more. I've been reluctant because it's for security reasons. But now it's uh, we're all under danger, so I could not be any more danger than I'm in now. I've been threatened in the past. I had one serious attempt at me. I had about eight or nine broken windows of my car in one year. Oh my God. Just for a uh,
2: speak. And, and Jimmy, um, we just have a few seconds left, but, uh, boy, you are heroic. Cause I, I just want to ask you very quickly. Thank, first of all, thank God you're okay. Are we going to be okay with Biden at the helm real quick?
9: Uh, We're in trouble. Biden was on the enemy's side. He's not in our, Biden's not on our side. you got to look at his history. He voted against Contra-Aid three times. John Kerry supported the enemy during the Cold War. I mean, we, we, the, the penetration of the Democrat Party, this coming election is a do or die situation. A person, a woman can't have an abortion if she's murdered in the street. People can't have critical race theory taught in schools if they're murdered in the streets.
2: No, you're right. There is a lot on the line, Jimmy. Um, and there's so much at stake. And to your point, uh, boy, uh, if you listen to Robert Gates, remember he said Biden's been on the wrong side of history. That's the former defense secretary. For Obama!